You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Now picked up by Kopitar, a blast. He scores! Andrzej Kopitar with his fourth goal of the game. We have a trade to announce. Oh, you can trade it all in for what's in this box. The box. The box. Dad, I'll trade you this delicious doorstop for your crummy old Danish. Done and done. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on AO Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It is March 1st today. He's marching into March with no foot pain whatsoever. It's Jason Bruff, everybody. I'm marching in like a, like a lion, and I'll be... Marching out like a lamb. Yeah. Because that's what they say about March. They do? You never heard that before? In like a lion, out like a lamb? I thought it was March the 1st be with you. No, okay. Uh, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on a Wednesday. Ton to get into from yesterday. Ton to get into today as trade week rolls along. Uh, we will start at 6.30 with David Amber, Hockey Night Canada Sportsnet host. Hopefully not checking into a flight this week, but we'll see. He'll be mid-skydive. I hope that's part, okay. That's part of the allure of live radios. You never know where your guests are going to be. Yeah. In line at Tim Hortons, checking in at the airport. It's always wild and crazy times. Uh, we'll be joined by David Amber at 6.30. We have the playoff chases to get into with David. Also, 11 trades yesterday in the NHL as the GMs conspire to ruin everybody's Friday. 11 trades yesterday. And they were doing them right up until like almost midnight last night. It was crazy. I'm so glad we'll be doing four hours on Friday. I was like, anyone got to ask us anything? Yeah, I, we're going to start booking non-hockey guests, non-sports <laughs> guests on trade deadline day. 7.30, Mark Lazarus from The Athletic is going to join us. Mark had a fun day yesterday because he wrote the sort of farewell article for Patrick Kane. Patrick mm-hmm. Kane got traded to the New York Rangers, one of those 11 trades yesterday. And... Mark looked back at the entirety of Patrick Kane's career, including all of the unsavory stuff, like the early part of his career where he was often showing weird behavior, and then the uh, Kyle Beach scandal. So he got yelled at by the people that didn't want him to bring up all the non-sports stuff. Right. And also got yelled at by the people who said he didn't bring up the non-sports stuff enough. Mm -hmm. So we're having the most hated man in sports on our show today, Mark Lazarus. A man who can't win whatever he does. He hates, both sides hate him equally. I'm very excited to talk to Mark at 7. The, the article's great, by the way. Mm-hmm. Clearly nobody that was complaining read it. Because right. he did the most thorough, encapsulating review of Kane's career that you could do. Did our little bit uh, make it? Our little bit of Patrick Kane's history make it? You know what? I don't remember. It was There was parts lumped in, but it was almost like the early part. So there was the taxi incident. Mm-hmm. There was the limo incident. There was the much more serious rape allegations. Mm-hmm. There was a lot all kind of saying, like, this was the early part of Patrick Kane's career. Then there was the great part. And then it kind of bookended with the Kyle Beach stuff. So so the, do, do, do you think everyone knows our, our, our part in all this? I don't know. We can bring it up. You know what? Let's bring it up to market 730, see if he remembers that moment specifically. No, no, no. Everyone listening right now. Oh, everyone listening right now. 
do we do we say we broke that story? I don't even know how. We got the Patrick Kane limo pictures way back in 2009. Yeah. Where they came to Vancouver, lost badly, and then of all the guys to go out together, Patrick Kane, Chris Versteeg, and then 36-year-old John Madden. <laughs> don't know why. Why was Madden the only one with his tarp off? Who's to say? But anyway, they 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 jumped in a limo. I think they were going up to Whistler. Yeah. With a trio of Vancouver. Really? Is that, no. Really? Yeah. I think I thought that it was just after the bar. No, I think like it was a trip. To, I think it was a late night trip to Whistler. Oh, man, they're going to be cold with no shirts yeah, on. Yeah, put your shirt on, Patrick Kane. Anyway, um, they all went up to Whistler and someone sent us pictures from the limo bus or whatever. And we put them up on the old curtain blog. And then they quickly went viral in Chicago. I remember getting calls from uh, the local NBC News affiliate in Chicago asking mm-hmm. if they could run them on the air, yeah, the pictures. Yeah, sure, whatever. Like, who cares? They're like, so now what's a curtain blog? And I'm like, uh, you know what? Just just take them. Yeah, just take them. <laughs> I can't explain all this. It sounds stupider when I say it out loud. So anyway, Mark Lazarus, 730. Uh, 8 o'clock, Dan Murphy's going to join us. Canucks made a trade yesterday, one of the 11. Luke Shen, now no longer a member of the Vancouver Canucks, but is... Andy and I were discussing this morning, you might be able to see Luke Shen on Saturday, right? And we might be able to facilitate that because why, Andy? We're giving away a pair of tickets today to the best What We Learned, the Canucks game on Saturday versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now I have no idea of when Luke Shen is going to join the Maple Leafs, or maybe he'll just meet them in Vancouver. Who's to say? But we will be giving away tickets. That's another thing that's happening today on the program. Canucks Leafs Saturday, big one. Start time, Jason. Four o'clock. There we go. And uh, we're going to be giving away two tickets. Get your What We Learns in now. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650. 650. Okay, that's it. That's what's happening on the program. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? So like I said off the hop, 11 trades... In the National Hockey League yesterday. There were some really big ones. Patrick Kane is now a member of the New York Rangers. Matthias Ekholm, now a member of the Edmonton Oilers. In case you didn't stay up late last night, the Los Angeles Kings traded Jonathan Quick. Yeah, it's true. But there were locally, locally, there was one trade, Jason, that stood out above the rest. Let's get deep into the Luke Shen deal. It finally happened uh, on Tuesday. Luke Shen was traded to... His original drafting team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, a third-round pick in the 2023 NHL draft coming in return to Vancouver. And I think everyone really just could breathe the sigh of relief that this little saga was over. And at the very least, Luke Shen knows what his next team will be. And it is a good one because the Leafs are loading up with ammunition for the deadline. Yeah, it's something for the Canucks third-round pick, but it's less than what Canucks fans were hoping for. I think a lot of people, including myself, were hoping for a second-round pick. Um, I don't know if the Leafs had one left. Um, And after a bunch of teams entered the selling period, and that includes Nashville and that includes Washington, all of a sudden a bunch of defensemen were – then on the board, and I think that might have changed the market a little bit. Um, and the Canucks ended up getting a third-round draft pick from Toronto, so it's something. Um, but, you know, it remains to be seen if Luke Shen will consider re-signing in Vancouver or if that ship has sailed. Um, perhaps Luke Shen will be asked about his relationship with Vancouver, and 
what he's considering in the future. And most likely he's just going to say, I'm going to focus on the now right now and worry about the off season later. Um, but here's the positive. The Canucks now have seven picks in the first four rounds of the upcoming draft. And I saw that boy genius reference this on Twitter and said, the Canucks have never had seven picks in the first mm-hmm. four rounds of the draft. So they're starting to build up their repertoire or well, their collection of draft picks for this draft. Now that does assume that the Islanders send them their first round draft pick this year. That always could be punted till next year, depending how the Islanders fig- uh, finish their season. Um, the Canucks, I expect, will also try and add some more picks. I know there was a report out there that they're trying to add another first. Yeah. Well, I don't know how they're going to do that without trading something very significant off this team. Well, certainly sounds like they might be trading something significant off this team because the other big story yesterday, in addition to the Luke Shen trade, and all due respect to the Luke Shen trade, but there's not really much analysis you can throw on it at this point other than, yeah, they got a third in return. We knew Shen was going to get traded. Now he's been traded. You get to see him on Saturday. I think the real story yesterday was on a day where a lot of moves were happening and some of them quite stunning. Like, I don't know about you, but I was really shocked that Jonathan Quick is or was traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, I did not foresee that coming. And I, I kind of knew that if they needed to get a player on board, they needed to move money out. But that's a pretty significant deal. The LA Kings fans were really upset online about that. Just I saw Frank Cervalli uh, tweet as well that Quick was not happy about not the happy with the deal. whatsoever. <laughs> and had to fly home with the team. Yeah, that, that would have been a good flight. Anyway, I digress. It sounds like the Canucks and Penguins are working on something. We don't know what. We don't know how big. We don't even know if it'll happen. But uh, a variety of reports out yesterday basically started percolating like there was conversations going on with Pittsburgh and Vancouver. Sat then chimed in that it, maybe it doesn't sound like JT Miller being the player mm-hmm. from Vancouver. And then Rob Rossi of The Athletic chiming in that, you know, I believe it's Brock Besser. <laughs> I'm like, well, wait a minute. You can't rule out both. I don't know who else there is. I think the reports from both sides, Vancouver and Pittsburgh, is that there's an expectation that something big mm. is coming down now. It's always possible that Vancouver gets left out in the cold because Pittsburgh could just do a deal with Arizona for Jacob Chikrin. I don't know if Pittsburgh would be able to, to take on Jacob Chikrin and also do a big trade with the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if they'd have the cap space or the assets to do something like that. But Ron Hextall's under pressure. And the Pittsburgh Penguins won their third straight last night. So all of a sudden their playoff picture is looking a little bit better. Remember they had those two losses to the Islanders where they had leads on the Islanders and they blew those leads. Mm -hmm. And because of that, all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, are the Penguins going to actually miss the playoffs this year? Uh, It's still possible they miss, but uh, I see, I, 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 I really do believe that they're going to make it. I think they're going to make um, it. I'm not 100% confident that they're going to make it because there are a bunch of teams in, in that race. But um, we've discussed this before about Pittsburgh and Ron Hextall and his seeming hesitation to give up futures and how it doesn't really make sense. Um, the Penguins may not have the best chance to win the Stanley Cup considering all the great teams in the East, but... They might as well, they're they're in like hey we might as well go for this we might as well try as hard as we can while we've got Sid Gino Latang a bunch of other guys too like they've got Jeff Carter signed and they've yep. got you know they 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 kept Brian Rust and they, they they've 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 got a team 
that I think is capable of putting a scare into some of the favorites out of the East and maybe even pulling an upset. So for me, it brings you back to um, let's let's just bring it back to JT Miller for now and why for me and I think a lot of Canucks fans in media JT Miller does not make sense for the Canucks because with his contract um, and with his age and over the next few years you're looking at the Canucks team and going I don't think they can be Stanley Cup contenders right the argument is totally different in Pittsburgh the argument in Pittsburgh would be like hey yeah why not bring in a guy who's in this position, who's a good player right now, a very good player right now. Mm-hmm. Why not bring in a guy like that? Who cares about his contract? That's in three a or four problem. Years? No, but seriously, who cares about that contract in three or four years in Pittsburgh if he were to be traded there? Like, the team will be will be a disaster. Yeah. Because when Sid leaves and Gino leaves and Latang leaves and they got nothing in the cupboards and they've traded away all their first-round draft picks and they barely have prospects, like, the team will just – They'll rebuild that. That's what they'll do. So they can't, they're going to have some, like maybe he'd be like uh, Seth Jones in Chicago where you got to have someone making some money there. Yep. And like he, he grew up uh, just outside of Pittsburgh. I know he was born in Ohio, but he, he moved with his family to uh, the Pittsburgh area. So he knows lots of people there and he, he's comfortable there for, for me. Um, listen, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not trying to will this into happening. But for me, JT Miller makes a million times more sense in Pittsburgh than he does in Vancouver. Well, I mean, look, aside from the opinion part of things, there are facts that we can fall back on here. And one of them is that Pittsburgh right now is very clearly, very, very clearly, you know, making excess cap space to try and get a deal done. In the span of four days, they waived Kasperi Kapanen, who was then claimed on waivers from the St. Louis Blues, freeing up that contract. Then, two days ago, they put Mark Friedman and Brock McGinn. Brock McGinn, by the way, who is a fully functioning member of the Pittsburgh Society. He assisted on a Sidney Crosby goal last night. But they waived both those guys to give themselves some cap flexibility or try and get someone plucked off waivers or whatever. Yeah, we saw similar moves, I guess, out of the Rangers before they finalize the Patrick Kane trade. So those are the, that's what you're looking at right now, is a Pittsburgh team that is uh, right on the cusp of the playoffs. They're in right now, but two losses in the right out. Uh, they're all in with this veteran core. They're clearing room, and the trade deadline is now two days away. So you don't really need to have any logical leaps to assume that they are ready to buy. Now, what's the second set of facts here? A lot of impact players have already been traded. A lot of teams have already done their shopping, especially in the Eastern Conference. If you look at it, the only teams in a playoff position that really haven't are Carolina, unless you count Jesse Pugliarvi, mm-hmm. which I don't, <laughs> and Pittsburgh, who hasn't done a thing. So there's a team that's cleared the cap space. There's a team that has yet to make its big deadline splash. And then you start looking around and you're saying, well, once all the primary targets are gone, what are some tertiary targets, I guess, for lack of a better term. Don't you think JT Miller makes a ton more sense for Pittsburgh than Brock Besser as well? Well, 
Yes, <laughs> for sure he does because he's more going to be more immediate impact. Way like, more of an impact. If you bring in JT Miller and Brock Besser right now, you're JT Miller. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're having a good year. You're nearly that point a game guy. With Brock Besser, you're like you might be a bit of a reclamation. Yeah, who knows where? Works. Who knows where you can put that guy in the lineup with the way he's playing right now? Okay, but now we got to pivot to the other side of things. Well, you should mention it's worth noting that the, apparently they did the math and the cap space they cleared yesterday. Equals pretty much exactly that of Miller's contract five, five this 5 year. Million, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like the perfect amount to clear. Mike, I, I want to I want to discuss the the Miller stuff later in the show. Okay. Um, we'll leave some some space for that, and um, I'll I'll throw it out to the listeners right now. How does even having JT Miller's name out there, and we're talking about credible reports, how does this affect things going forward with just the relationship between JT Miller and the team? Just throwing it out there. Just think about this. Mm-hmm. After they signed this guy to a very long-term contract uh, less than a year ago and had this in the press release from Patrick Alvin, Miller will continue to be a key pace of this team for years to come. And now his name is very much out there. Incredible reports. What's the media's fault? It is the media's fault for doing its job. Yeah. Uh, the Leafs kept loading up for the playoffs. Um, and they somehow also acquired a first-round draft pick. That's that's it was a busy, that, busy day in Toronto. Well, that's it's pretty impressive. That, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, all the all these people act like, um, and this this might be true, that if the Leafs don't win a playoff round this year, Kyle Dubas is gone. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I don't really, I think he'd be picked up right away by a team. Oh, I don't think uh, like he'd be I, I unemployed for long. He did, would just have to be out of Toronto. I, I don't know if that – do you think that's 100% true? Do you think that's 100% true that Kyle Dubas, if the Leafs <laughs> don't win a playoff round, he'd be done? I almost feel like he'd resign. <laughs> <laughs> I give like, up. I can't do this. Like, he's done everything. I, was like, I used to be the non-hockey guy. Now I went full hockey he's guy. He's walk away. It's cursed. It's cursed. Yeah, well, it doesn't work. I'm, I'm going to say, it's like, he's, he's learning the hard way now that you're damned if you do and damned if you don't because everyone – Right now, and I'm one of them. I'm like, wait a minute. You've got a team that's playing at like 105, 110 point pace, and you've completely remodeled it. Like, mm-hmm. what was wrong with the team that you had? Did you really just not believe it was going to make the playoffs? Was this the plan all along? And didn't we'll, touch the goalies at all. We'll have Pierre Engvall and Rasmus Sandin take us all the way to this point and then get mm-hmm. rid of them. Well, I think the trades were good. I, 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 th- I, th- I, think, I think Kyle Dubas realized, first of all, they could still use that first-round draft pick to grab something else. Like, he might not be done um, before this is all said and done. Um, I think he shipped out guys that he didn't consider to be fits for the playoffs and the competitiveness of the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. Pierre Engvall is a big dude who doesn't really... He plays smaller he than his 6'5 six, yeah, frame. He doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't get involved. Um, you know, I don't think there's any question right now that the Leafs are harder to play against. I will be curious to see how much of a role Luke Shen does have on that team. Because remember with Tampa Bay, he wasn't always like, he wasn't an everyday player. Yeah. So, and this was a few years ago. Um, I know we love Luke Shen, um, in Vancouver and we top like four him. guy here. Well, yeah, but the bar is so low <laughs> oh, to be a top four guy in Vancouver. You watch Luke Shen play. There are still times when he doesn't look great. His mobility looks questionable, but I think Luke Shen mm. against the Tampa Bay Lightning bottom six is better than Rasmus Sandin. Sure. Against the Tampa Bay Lightning bottom six yeah, or Justin Hole or whatever, you know, those guys you hear all the time on Twitter. You got Luke Shen over here. You got Tanner Janot over here. 
Are they destined to fight in the playoffs? I feel like they are. Uh, the Oilers bolstered their defense. They got better defensively, adding Ekholm from Nashville. We mentioned how Nashville is now the big sellers, and it's actually quite incredible, all the draft picks they've racked up with just a few trades and that decision to be like, all right, we, we got we to make some moves. They also got a new general manager coming in in, in Barry Trotz, and I'm sure he's overlooking all this stuff, and I'm sure that this is part of the discussions that Barry Trotz had with the franchise he probably looked at the team and was like, "Listen, guys, this isn't good enough. Like, we we got to make some changes, and we got to we may not have to tear it down. We may not be able to tear it down completely, but we got to get some young guys in the door eventually. Because I don't want to take over a team that's just a bunch of aging guys that are not only gonna you know that are just gonna get worse, and we we don't even have a Stanley Cup contender." Right now. Well, it's interesting because you know how we were talking about the Canucks having seven picks in the first four rounds at the upcoming draft. Mm -hmm. Nashville, and remember, Barry Trotz will be at the draft table this year. They got eight in the first four rounds. Mm -hmm. So good on them for – look, sometimes you can take advantage of this opportunity at the deadline to to kickstart a rebuild. Well, look at what Washington's doing. Yeah, and the Ranger – I think Washington is in a very similar position to Nashville, both in terms of the core. Mm -hmm. It's getting older. It's not really getting it done. We go back a few years and the now infamous Rangers letter. That was at the trade deadline, and it really kickstarted – the, the retool, the rebuild, whatever you want to call it. They're doing it in Nashville right now. And the Ekholm deal, kind of interesting because Tyson Berry ends up being the, the odd man out on the blue line. So he goes the other way. It's, um, it, it seems like there's, uh, there's, been a, um, there's been a run on defensive defensemen. And I think that is only natural, like Luke Shen going and, 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 and Matthias Ekholm and, and Tyson Berry getting, getting shipped out. And a lot of people in Edmonton are like, wait a minute, like Tyson Berry's pretty big part of a really good power play yep. uh, people will push back and be like I, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl will probably have a little to do with that and you could probably put anyone back on, on, the, on the point right um, now is it going to be Bouchard or, or, or Nurse or maybe Ekholm's going to be the, the main defenseman on the power play it, it, it doesn't really matter but I think what the Oilers accomplished in getting Ekholm is um, they added a legitimate top four defenseman that can defend. That can also stick around beyond this year. Yeah. He's got term left on mm-hmm. the contract. I think that's another interesting thing that we're seeing right now. Like you look at a lot of these guys that the Leafs picked up, for example. Yeah, there's some traditional rentals, but they also picked up guys that are going to be there for a while. Like Jake McCabe. He's going to be there for a while. They, they're, they're making, you know, Dubas was doing it all yesterday, making sort of immediacy trades, hockey trades for the future, real trades for the future by acquiring a first-round pick and of all this nonsense. And then you see some other teams making the deals for guys with term. And we normally thought, like, that's the worst thing you could possibly inherit as we kind of focus back on that JT Miller and Pittsburgh thing. But Ron Hextall's a guy that said, mm-hmm. when we make deals, we don't want to do rentals. We want to try and uh, find some guys with terms so that this is a fit just beyond – this year because well, it know, has to depend it has to depend how old the guys are and what the term is like McCabe in Toronto it's an awesome term because the Blackhawks are retaining on it yeah 50%. so you're gonna you're getting a really good defenseman in there and his cap hit is not high uh Patrick Kane to the Rangers finally went through I'll be curious to see and I assume they will reuniting Kane and Panarin a duo that was so much fun to watch the Rangers are going to be fun to watch I just don't know how much how long they're going to last in the playoffs. They could win the Stanley Cup. They could also be out in the first round like so many other teams in the East. But they are um, 
really loading up for this run in particular, and I think it makes sense for a, a Rangers team and a New York team to do that. Now, they didn't have to pay too much for Patrick Kane because Patrick Kane controlled the process. He had a full new move clause, and he said, I want to go to the Rangers. And if I don't go to the Rangers, I'm okay remaining a Chicago Blackhawk. For me, it it doesn't matter. And the Rangers knew that, and the Blackhawks knew that. And that's what happens when you have a full no-move clause, which, by the way, JT Miller gets when his contract extension kicks in. Uh, Just saying. uh, Another thing on the the Kane front, too, is remember how when we talked about the Rangers rebuild and how everyone's like, yeah, but they got so lucky because – Adam Fox wanted to go there, and Jacob Trubel wanted to go there, and Artemi Panarin wanted to go there. Well, that's the advantage that you get to play when you're the New York Rangers. Yeah. And you take full advantage of mm-hmm. it, right? It's probably why Chris Drury was like, you know what? I wonder if I could get Tarasenko first and then just kind of <laughs> sit there until the Blackhawks realize they have no other options. Right. And he kind of played it brilliantly, to be mm-hmm. honest, because as this thing went along, you saw a certain resignment from Kyle Davidson, the Blackhawks general manager, that this was the only place that he was going to be able to make a deal. More importantly, they were not going to do wrong by Patrick Kane here, right? If he wanted to go, they were going to make it happen. I enjoy that Tanner Janot was worth more on the trade market than Patrick Kane. Could you imagine? Arguably the greatest American hockey player of all time. Could you imagine that at that year where Tanner Janot went undrafted <laughs> and Patrick Kane was probably putting up close to 100 points? If you had told someone, they're like, hey, three years from now at the deadline, this guy's going to get way more than Patrick Kane in a return. It would have been crazy. Anyway. David uh, Amber is going to join us next. We'll talk about uh, a bunch of the stuff we've already talked about, with, but with a smarter opinion on them. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty-two on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Big show ahead. I wonder how many trades we will get today. Yesterday we had eleven. Busy day. And in case you missed it, the trades went right up until the wee hours of last night. During. <laughs> Los Angeles Kings game against the Winnipeg Jets, which was a crazy game. We haven't even really got into all the scores from last night. No, we can do that later. There's a lot to get into. We got all the trades, but also some pretty meaningful games that went on last night, including a pretty entertaining game between the Bruins and the Flames. The uh, the Kings and the Columbus Blue Jackets basically finalized the trade overnight. We're getting the details this morning, early this morning. Uh, it is Jonathan Quick, franchise legend, going to Columbus that clears up the room so that they can get uh, Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Korpisalo to the Los Angeles Kings. Columbus also gets a first and third round pick. So big deals are happening all over the place. So Korpisalo is the pending UFA, right? Columbus has got Elvis locked yeah. up long term. Both guys going to LA are pending UFAs. Right. Gavrikov. So the LA Kings are still going to have to do something about their goaltending this offseason. No reason why I'm asking that question. I'm just, you just, know, just, you know, just, just this, throwing it out this there. This could be just, just a short-term fix. Yeah, okay. It might not be right. a long-term fix. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Joined as we are every Wednesday on this program. Uh, Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet NHL host David Amber here 
on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm good. Yesterday, oh man, it was it's someone who's going to be hosting seven hours of live TV on Friday. It wasn't a great day for me, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> We're basically going to do a seven-hour show of where will Jacob Chikrin go? My, my theory on this is that the general managers all conspired and said, you guys, you talking heads on radio and television have been making our jobs way too difficult for the last two months, so here's our response. <laughs> All the trades are going to happen by Thursday. I don't even think we're going to get Chikrin on Friday. I think it's going to end up being like the Jake Bean sweepstakes or something like that. Who knows? But 11 <laughs> trades yesterday, and I just mentioned in the preamble, right up until the wee hours, but you're in Toronto. You got to watch the continual evolution of Kyle Dubas going all in, also kind of planning for the future as well, but my God, has he ever been aggressive in rebuilding this roster for the playoffs? Unbelievable how, you know, in 11 days, he's essentially changed, you know, seemingly changed the identity of the team, right? Like, he's added six players. I mean, we're talking six positional players that, uh, you know, we're talking a third of the lineup, and I guess there's always the question is, is it too much too quickly, and how will it work? But, you know, there still is a, you know, six weeks left in the season, so there's plenty of time to, for everyone to get acclimated. But, you know, one thing about the Atlantic Division is we've basically known with how good Boston's been and, and seemingly how good Tampa and Toronto have been, not as good as Boston, but we've known that that's the matchup for, you know, since December, really. I mean, buying something crazy, that was going to be the matchup, and now it's basically etched in stone. So, you know, I think Kyle Debus and... Griezmann basically been looking at each other's rosters and saying, here's who we're playing and let's build our team accordingly. And it's been a chess match. O'Reilly and Achari go to Toronto and then it's like, okay, well, we're going to get Tanner Janot, another very hard to play against guy. Okay, well, you got Janot, we're going to add, you know, Luke Shen, etc. So it's been really fun to watch and, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to work or if it's not going to work because bottom line is a very good team's going to get eliminated in the first round. But, you know, hats off to Kyle Dubas. He's putting everything into this he's not leaving anything unturned and maybe there's still more to come people are questioning whether a goaltender is still on the horizon that corpus Allo's name had been thrown out there the leafs saw firsthand what corpus Allo can do in the playoffs you remember in the bubble it was corpus Allo's, corpus Allo and mers lickens who uh, eliminated the leafs in five games and you know it was their goaltending that was the difference in that series so uh i'm not sure exactly if the leafs are done but certainly they've changed the the look and feel of a team by adding you know competitive grittier players which has been really lacking uh, in the last number of years when they've been eliminated in the first round hey david isn't it funny how in the span of what five years the tampa bay lightning have gone from this young run and gun team that plays too fancy to win in the playoffs to <laughs> uh, to like this this almost um like plodding nasty piece of business that you have to load up um like you you have to counteract with your own toughness or in order to match it is fine and that's and that's a theme around the league right it's not you know look at the guys who've been getting at it it's not a bunch of white collar pretty boys right it's been a bunch of guys who can get into the trenches get dirty play physically do a lot of different things there's a versatility there uh by generally by the players that have been getting at it throughout this trade you know pre-trade deadline um, but you're right about Tampa. They they saw what happened. I mean, they saw against Columbus, uh, what was it, 2018. They saw that they were playing too fancy a brand of hockey and they were too reliant on all of their white-collar players. And when it came to playoff hockey, which everyone knows gets 
so much more physical, so much more competitive, so much more demanding. They didn't have the right makeup. So they added the Zach Bogosians. They added the Ryan McDonough's. You know, they went and got the Corey Perry's, Pat Maroons, et cetera. I mean, they made a point of saying we can get nasty, and that's been, you know, part of their success. I mean, they have the best defenseman arguably in the world in Hedman and the best goalie in the world in Vasilevsky, and they have some incredible forwards as well. But they had complimented them with those types of players, the Barkley Goodrows, et cetera. So um, I think it's a copycat league. Everyone has seen Tampa's success, and we even saw Colorado had similar success with, uh, with adding those types of players last year. I mean, who did Colorado have last year? Manson, Cogliano, Lekkinen. They didn't go out and add, you know, Nathan McKinnon. They added guys to compliment Nathan McKinnon, and that's what the Leafs are looking at. You know, they've got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. They have all these very skilled players, and now they're adding, you know, they're adding around them and hoping that that's the, the success they're going to meet, the same as Tampa's reached. If the Maple Leafs don't get past the first round this season, is Kyle Dubas definitely gone as general manager, or are we all just assuming that? Well, that's a great question. Um, I don't have the answer to that. Uh, you know, I think there's a level of security is the wrong word, but I think they feel like Kyle Dubas's philosophy um, as a manager, has been very strong, and he's made a lot of solid moves. But it's a results-oriented league, right? And at the end of the day, you know, I'll tell you something. This could be a historic fail for the Leafs. No team has ever in the history of the National Hockey League been eliminated in the first round in seven straight seasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not a tag you want to have on your head. I think, you know, his contract's expiring. We all know that. He's played every chip at this point, right? Like, go, go on the cap friendly and take a look at the Leafs' next four drafts. I mean, there's not a lot of draft capital remaining there. So he's played pretty much every card he could play. And, um, you know, I, I guess maybe part of the answer would be how, how, what is the loss, right? Like, if you take Tampa to seven games and you put up 50 shots like Calgary did last night and you get <laughs> goaltendered by, by Fasileski, you know – what are you going to do? And that could happen. You know, like it could be, it could be that that could be the exact scenario that plays out where Toronto mm-hmm. plays as well as they can play. And Vasilevsky shows why he's a, a former Conn Smythe winner and you're just screwed. Yeah. But, uh, if, but, but on, on the other hand, David, if, if, if the Leafs get beaten solely because their goaltending doesn't match up, then I think that might be a reason to move on from Kyle Dubas. Like that might and provide the ammunition. Fair. Yeah. Because that, like, that, and, and I, you're right. On talk radio here in this city, that was the discussion yesterday. People applauded the moves. Oh, they've changed the character, the identity of the team. Yes, 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 much tougher. And then everyone said, well, what about their goaltending? So mm-hmm. now you've done all this, and it's to have Samsonov and, and Matt Murray, you know, ride the train against Allmark. We saw what Allmark could do last night against uh, Buffalo, or Buffalo, against Boston. Uh, against Boston, sorry, against Calgary. It's really for me. Uh, against Calgary. And we, and we know what Vasilevsky is. You're right. And, and you've got Shosturkin in the conference as well. Like, the path, if it comes down to goaltending, you're right. That could be a very difficult pill to swallow for the Leafs, and, and that could be a, a game-changer for Kyle Dubas' future. 
I wonder if we can say the same thing about the Edmonton Oilers. Like, I, I like the trades that they've made. I, I like them bringing in Ekholm. I think he's going to make their team better at defending. Um, with all due respect to Tyson Berry, who certainly had a role in the power play, but I think the power play will be just fine with McDavid and Dreisaitl still on the team. Um, but I wonder about the goaltending in Edmonton with Jack Campbell or, or Stuart Skinner. I imagine Jack Campbell's going to get first crack at it, but he's been pretty up and down this season. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, it's funny. Um, I really thought Corpus Solo and Gavrikov could be going to Edmonton. I thought they might be putting together some other package because then you've really changed the complexion of your team, right? Then you've really done something. If you have Ekholm and Gavrikov to, to a blue line that needs a lot of help, and even if Corpus Solo is not part of that deal, at least you could say we've shored up our defense in front of what's been shaky goaltending at times. I don't think Ekholm is enough, personally. I think Ken Holland should be out there still, and he probably is pursuing another defenseman and maybe some goaltending help. I don't know what the goaltending options are at this point. You know, is a Cam Talbot available? Is a James Reimer available? Is that an upgrade from what you already have? I don't know. Uh, but that's certainly something I think that should be discussed and, and probably is being discussed by Edmonton. We're speaking to David Amber, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada NHL host here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. David, we just got a question into the Dunbar Lumber text line here at 650-650. Texter wants to know, has Calgary done even one trade? And we say this in the aftermath of Edmonton making a big splash, getting Matthias Eckholm in the door. Meanwhile, their Albertan counterparts have been eerily quiet thus far. I think part of it probably has to do with their very tenuous grasp on the playoffs, and the other part of it is maybe they're in wait-and-see mode to see what else might happen. But you look around the league, the Eastern Conference has become an arms race. We're starting to see some of those Western Conference teams get into the bidding as well. I feel like Calgary is the real big one that's lurking in the weeds. I'm just not sure whether they pull the trigger or not. Calgary might make a move, but they might be selling for all we know. Um, <laughs> True. I'm not trying to be over dramatic here, but, I mean, you've watched the team play this year. I've watched the team play. They have not strung together more than three wins in a season. I mean, horrible teams like Columbus have had winning streaks longer than Calgary. Think about that. Uh, you know, they have not given a, a lot of reason for Brad Trey Living to go and say, this has got to be our year. I, I think the West is wide open. I don't see a, a ton of great teams. I think, you know, Edmonton and, and um, Colorado and Minnesota, or, sorry, and Dallas, you know, are probably the best three teams. But I do see it as being fairly wide open right now. But if I'm Calgary, I'm not sure if I'm Brad Trey Living, if I'm training a bunch of futures uh, around this group. I mean, what you actually have an opportunity to do right now, potentially, is move some of your core if you wanted to and sort of have a different core coming in next year, not blowing the whole thing up. Um, you know, Brad Trey Living had a very telling interview. Uh, it was probably about three weeks ago. And he, he kind of challenged the players. He sort of said, it's up to the players what we end up doing. And I think the jury is still out, right? They're five points out. They, they don't string together a number of wins in a row, or they haven't this year. They, they, are, you know, they, have, they, they shoot in such high volume like they did last night, 57 shots or whatever it is, but their shooting percentage is near the bottom of the league. They don't have a lot of finishers, and I'm just wondering you know, what you know, they can do at this point. You know, the, the great scoring finishers, the, the Timo Myers, the Tarasenkos, they're off the board. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of moving chairs, you know, on the Titanic if they're just going to bring in a complimentary piece at this point. So I'm not sure. That's an interesting team to me. Ottawa and Calgary, to me, are the two most interesting teams right now because are they buyers? Are they sellers? What do you do? 
What about the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, how, how worried should should their their fans be? How worried should Rick Bonus be? Um, every team goes through a, through a bad stretch during the season, uh, but and the Jets are going through theirs right now. I'm less concerned about Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean it's been listen. They blew a five three lead on home ice last night. Uh, they've lost six or seven games now. I mean that's not nothing. Uh, but they have Connor Hellebuck in that, uh, and they have a formidable nucleus of players, in my opinion. They just added Nino Niederreiter, uh, which is great because Cole Perfetti is gone. It seems like for the rest of the regular season. I'm not as worried about Winnipeg. I think I think you you know hit it on the head. You look through most teams go through some type of slump during the season. This happens to be the Jets' slump. Um, I don't see them falling out of a playoff picture. And quite frankly, you know whether they're a wild card or whether they're third or second, like they're either going to play Dallas, Minnesota, or Colorado. Like they're it's going to be a grinded out first round series for them, right? Like it's there's just no way around that. I don't think so. You know whether they it's. To me, it's not as important as them just making the playoffs. And we saw that with Tampa. Tampa won that President's Trophy and they got bounced in the first round. Then Tampa sort of just eased their way into the playoffs the next couple of years and won the Stanley Cup. So I'm not as concerned about their positioning or them falling out of the playoff spot. I do think they want to get things righted. Uh, and whether they're going to be, you know, Kevin Shoveldow has been one of the more conservative guys. He's not really big into getting rentals. Uh, he's more into trying to land pieces that are going to be solidified there. So he probably goes about his business a little bit differently than most GMs. Um, I don't expect much necessarily to happen there, and, and I do think they have a good enough team when the team's playing well to beat anyone. David, thanks a lot for doing this today, bud. We appreciate it. Uh, best of luck on Friday, okay? It might be a tough one, but we're doing four hours that day as well. So we're in this together, my man. I pray for you. Pray for me. <laughs> Have fun, fellas. Thanks, man. You too. That's David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650K. Next little bit of the show, uh, we're going to run through the NHL scores from last night. There was a bunch of really important results as they pertain to the playoff picture. 7 o'clock, we're going to dive back into the JT Miller, Brock Besser, Pittsburgh Penguin trade news. Got that all in there. 7.30, Mark Lazarus is going to join us, uh, Chicago Athletic, to talk about the end of an era. Patrick Kane traded to the New York Rangers. But before we do any of that, as I mentioned, we got to go through some of the scores last night. Let's start with the Canadian team you just mentioned, the Winnipeg Jets. Very, very eventful night for them. Multiple multi-goal leads against the Kings last night. Nino Niederreiter's debut. He's running around, smoking guys. Nailed Sean Dursey. Took two penalties. Everything was going very emotionally well for the Jets, but in the end... It was a crash. Uh, they lost 6-5 in the shootout uh, at the Canadian or Canada Life Center, sorry, on Tuesday night. So the lucky thing for the Jets is that the Calgary Flames got goalied by the Boston Bruins. Uh, Linus Allmark was brilliant, and the Flames goaltenders, two of them, were not. Vladar got pulled early. Uh, Markey came in and played okay, but couldn't hold on to a late 3-2 lead over the Boston Bruins, and then the Bruins won it in overtime. Very entertaining game in that the Calgary Flames badly outshot the Bruins. So you're wondering, you know, were they finally going to break through? And they did break through. The Calgary Flames did break through eventually and took the lead in the third, but they couldn't hold it. Um, So the Jets get one point. Calgary gets one point. So nobody gained ground. Nobody lost ground. And when you look at the standings in the Western Conference, if Calgary puts together a run, either Winnipeg or Edmonton, 
is is the vulnerable team, which is crazy. Maybe Seattle. It's all very close. Like <laughs> I was I was joking around on Twitter that Winnipeg might be the new Canadian tire fire. And then someone responded, like, they're four points out of first place in the conference, right? The, con- the like conference the conference is not good. Yeah, the conference is the conference isn't great, but there's a lot of teams that are all the same. I'm gonna quickly- really like you, you look at the you look at the teams and you're kinda like you know, obviously you like Colorado, but they've had injury issues all season and they still haven't they still haven't done that trade to fill the two C role that Kadri left behind. You like Dallas, but you know, you know they're not perfect. Watch them play the other day against the Vancouver Canucks. They're they're not perfect. Vegas has injury issues, right? With Mark's like what's going on with Mark Stone? Is he even gonna be healthy for the playoffs? And then all the other teams after that, LA. They've clearly got a goaltending issue because they just traded away Jonathan Quick for Corpusallo. Like that might not fix the issue. Seattle's still a second-year expansion team that you know you look at the team and you're like, okay, they got depth, but do they really have like legit star power? And do they have the goaltending? And then you got Edmonton, you got Winnipeg. All these teams are they're so far from perfect. Yeah, and then it's it's totally different in terms of the power dynamic right now. Without looking at the standings. Who are the f- number one and number two seeds if the playoffs ended today in the Western Conference? Just on points. Just on points? Yeah. Uh, is it Dallas and Vegas? Yep. And then L.A. is tied with Vegas in points in mm-hmm. 76. Yeah. So it could be. Like, and I don't think L.A. is a particularly good team. Like, I think they're, I think they're, I should say good. Mm-hmm. They're a good team. But, you know, you watch them play and they're, they're again, I keep on saying they're far from perfect. There's no team that's perfect, but I, I just think there's so many more elite teams in the East than there are in the West. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Colorado, Colorado's doing it right now. They're on a heater. They've won six straight, and that's vaulted them into consideration where you're like, okay, they might end up winning the Central Division as we expected them to because they've got games in hand on everybody, including Dallas and Minnesota. L.A. with a goalie now, though, is kind of scary to me. Corpusallo? Because they've been winning with Phoenix Copley, and he's got like an 890-something. He's not great. Is Corpusallo good? He's recovered from hip surgery. He played mm-hmm. last year all year with a hip problem. Right, right. So, have you guys heard this before? No, but how has he been? Is it, no. is it hard to judge on what he's done this year in Columbus? Well, like, you just in that kind of situation, you compare him against his peers, right? Mm-hmm. Look at Merzlikens' numbers. <laughs> well, how are pretty, they? I don't even know. They're not great. They're yeah. And yeah. Corpusallo's got a 910. So. Oh, he's got a 910 yeah. for Columbus? Yeah, yeah. he's been oh, good. That's he's pretty good. good. Oh, it's a bounce-back okay. year for him because, like I said, he was injured all last year. One mm-hmm. of the runoffs from that trade breaking last night was the few people that were actually up analyzing it were saying, like, the, the real knock-on effect here is how that's going to shake up the goalie market. Because I think there was a lot of teams that wanted to get Corpusallo, and I don't think anyone really expected LA to be the team to do it yeah. because like Toronto really needs a goalie now. If you're looking at it, do you think I would L- say? Do you think uh, not to cut off your point here? Do Do you think LA is going to be pissed that they traded away Jonathan Quick? The Kings fans are. Yeah, I mentioned this. No, earlier no, no. I'm show. talking about the team. Oh yeah, they're all the fans. Yeah, they're well, everyone is. Kopitar yeah. scored four goals and didn't crack a smile after. Yeah, right. Everyone, because he had learned. He learned yeah, that yeah. Jonathan Quick, and then Jonathan Quick. Did he have to fly home with them? Yes. Yeah. It, so that's awkward. They're, they're right? every well. It's a look. I said this to Laddie earlier. I was pandering to his goalie status, but mm-hmm. I said, I mean, like, all due respect to Dustin Brown and the uh, statue that he's got outside. Crypto.com. Yeah. Statue. Statue. I call it that. Um, 
Jonathan Quick was the guy for me that was the most important. I know Drew Doughty was there too, and I know Kopitar was there too, but like Quick was, especially in the playoffs. Especially the first year they won. Quick was yeah. the guy. He was amazing. He was incredible. Yeah, and he's a franchise icon. Like So is Dustin Brown to a certain mm. degree, but there are people like, I know it's easy to be mad online, especially if you're a fan, but there's a lot of people in that room and in that organization that probably are really, really disappointed yeah. that the end of Jonathan Quick's career might come wearing a Columbus Blue Jackets hat sitting on the bench watching Mers Lickens play. Like that's right. that's kind of a lame way to go out. Yeah. And I know that it's a business mm-hmm. and I know that when when he signed that well, ten- we should have played better and all that sort of stuff this and, season. And yeah. when he signed that yeah, yeah. ten year contract when we he all- signed that ten year contract, yep. everyone was like, the end of that's probably gonna be ugly. Yeah. He's and been lo- with the Kings since he was twenty two years old. He's mm-hmm. thirty seven now, you guys. He hasn't strayed from that organization well speaking of no i just wonder what the emotional knock-on effect from that could be it has it has the potential to work out if you're running your team like a fantasy team and that you bring in a goalie with better numbers Mm -hmm. than jonathan quick had but it also has the potential to backfire if your team is suddenly you know like you know what I wish Quickie was here, and I'm not really feeling it. I don't think that latter thing is going to happen. I think the players will get over it, yeah, and I, I think so they'll too. embrace the moment. And as soon as they're in a series with whoever they play in the first round, they'll figure it out. Now, uh, you know, and I know we're right up against it for time, but one other one is that, of course, the Patrick Kane deal, very similar to the Jonathan Quick deal, and that two franchise icons, two Americans, move on at the late stages of their career. And uh, clearly – it just absolutely ripped the Blackhawks apart last night because they had to play the Arizona Coyotes and just couldn't come to grips with the emotional loss. I only bring this up because Jason sent along the box score from yesterday's Arizona-Chicago game. So just think about this. Chicago traded away Kane, Lafferty, McCabe. The the uh, Coyotes are sitting Chikrin and also sat... Nick Bugstad yesterday for TRR. Mm-hmm. Here are some. I'm gonna. If anyone can properly guess these five guys, there's only two teams to choose from. Which team they play for? Some of the famous names participating in yesterday's day, uh, game: David Gust, G U S T. David Gust. Right. Who who he play for? Are we gonna hear Bruff's wind noise first? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little gusty. <laughs> I I'd never heard of this individual before. He blows. Uh, now, I think, Boo. does everyone know who Laurent Dauphin plays for? Oh, yeah. Who? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, he plays for Arizona. Yeah. He's been there for a while, hasn't he? How about Isaac Phillips? He was, wasn't he just traded? Isaac Phillips? Yeah. To Chicago. Maybe. He's a, he de- definitely plays for Chicago. Liam O'Brien? Ah, uh, Liam O'Brien. <laughs> Rocker is lucky charms. And you can honestly go through the entire roster and I, be like, I don't know who that guy is. There I was don't know also who that guy is. A guy played last night. He played over 12 minutes. His name is Cole Gutman. I don't know who he is. That sounds made up. That sounds like something that when you play NHL 23, when you have the, the future, random name generator, the future players like Cole Gutman got drafted in the first round <laughs> in 2027. Anyway, we're up against it for time. We got to go. We're going to come back. We're going to get into the other big trade news on the Canucks front from yesterday, and that's whatever's going on with the Pittsburgh Penguins. 7.30, we're going to talk to Mark Lazarus from The Athletic in Chicago about the Patrick Kane era coming to a close. Yes, I think he'd be interesting. Laz would be interesting to talk about Jonathan Quick as well because the series between 
the Blackhawks and the Kings in 2014, I think was the best series of maybe of the salary cap era. We can talk to Laz about whatever we want. Whatever we want. We talk to him about Isaac Phillips, who I don't think was just traded. Do you know who David Gust is? We should just go through the list with Laz. Be like, who's this guy? What about that guy? Who's this guy? Who is this Blackhawks team? What does this guy do? (laughs) He's got a funny name. Okay, we got to go. We'll come back. That's the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, Trade rumblings and Mark Lazarus. 8 o'clock hour. It's Murph and what we learned for a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 